Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that only had one day to come up with this, and if we let you script it, nobody would say anything. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. Together, we're working our way through the entirety of the MCU, which was supposed to make us angels, not gnarled freaks of nature covered in thorns. I know, you always got to read that fine print, right? So listen up, a-holes. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episodes 11 to 13. So we have another first in the four color facts. Yay! This episode. Well, this is less of a yay. We're gonna we're gonna clean up a small mess from a couple of episodes ago. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of the small joys of being a patron of Chipperish is that you get to come into our living room, aka <laughs> the Discord chat, yeah. and tell us the ways that we may or may not have done our best work on any given episode. And usually this is people just coming in and being really entertained when I compare trash characters to furniture. Sure. <laughs> but every now and then it's a real thing and we've got kind of a real thing here. So mm-hmm. uh, Lonnie and I heard a little bit about our treatment of the Savage Land. And so I want to deal with that and my approach to superhero stuff generally. And then I think, Lonnie, you want to talk a little bit about Chipperish's overall approach to that kind of thing, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So comic book stuff first. Lonnie and I somewhat glibly made jokes about how Kazar, whose real last name is Plunder, might as well have been the Duke of Colonialism. And we made that joke to take the piss out of a racist and genocidal institution. At the same time, we were also marveling at the full-bore bonkers nature of the Savage Land, and the lines between those two things got blurred, and some listeners might have thought that we were also making light of colonialism and the theft and genocide it brings. So, let me be clear, we are absolutely not glib about atrocities here. No, no. How, how could this happen? So, superhero comics have two big problems when it comes to modern cultural commentary. First, they are largely white, male, and straight. Mm-hmm. And second, they borrowed heavily and often uncritically from a pulp tradition that was rife with terrible racist stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yellow perils, mighty whiteys, and savage tribes that are thinly masked versions of racist caricatures of uncolonized Africans and First Nation people. That and worse is all over superhero comics. Even to this day, we never throw anything away. The Savage Land, with its subhuman beings formed up into barbaric tribes that just need to be protected by the rich white man who happened to stumble into their space and be better at all their stuff than they are, is, in many ways, fruit of the poison tree. I definitely want to call that out when I'm commenting on a work where the problematic stuff is centered. But because the Savage Land was on the way to talking about Bobby Morse and is an entirely fictional space with entirely fictional people, I may not have given enough thought to how much it trades in stereotypes and caricatures. And if I caused anyone any harm by not calling out those issues, I humbly and truly apologize. I live in a great deal of tension about this. This is a podcast about the MCU and its comic roots not always about how white, straight, male, and racist those roots are. I never have any problem pointing out the areas where the MCU and its source material falls short of diversity and representation. First, as a person with all of the privilege that comes with being a straight white American male, I sometimes just miss the problems, though. Mm -hmm. 
And secondly, in the interest of staying on focus, I may neglect something that's honestly a bigger deal than I think it is in the moment. So as always, I'm trying to do better today than I did yesterday, and I truly appreciate any listener who points out where I've made a privileged mistake. I will always listen closely to that and try to integrate your concerns into my approach going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I feel that way too. I, of course, tick every privilege box except for mail. So between us, there's a lot of stuff that sometimes we won't recognize and sometimes we won't see. Or sometimes when we talk about it, we'll talk about it poorly, you know, which is which is a problem that I kind of have to deal with. I struggle with that a lot because the choice is talk about it without fully understanding everything about it, you know, which is kind of hard to do. I work on that as much as I can, but I can't speak to how these issues might hurt, you know, like if we talk about, you know, the savage lands and colonialism, how that might feel to somebody of an indigenous background, you know, like how that, how that might feel like I don't understand that and I can't, and I don't want to pretend that I do. I don't want to speak for people that I don't personally know um, what their situation is. And the thing is that because we are drawing on material that comes from a place where nobody was even considering any other point of view aside from straight white male, etc. Right? Sometimes we end up with these things, and because it's not the focus of what we're going into, uh, we can let it go a little lightly, you know, without really super addressing it. Um, and I think that there's always a line to be written, you know, in that space. And I'm not always going to get it right. We're not always going to get it right, but we do always care about it. So definitely, you know, let us know. Um, you know, I, I, it, this isn't a podcast about social justice, but it is a podcast about fiction and how fiction actually our stories define our society, define what we believe to be true, define what we decide is okay. We use fiction as a shortcut to tell us what's good and what's not. I mean, that's been happening since fairy tales. And, you know, like, that's how we look at ourselves, reflect ourselves back at ourselves and, and tell ourselves what's okay and what's not okay, you know? So because of that, there are a lot of times when in the fiction, I absolutely do want to take a moment to call out something, you know, and a lot of times, especially with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're calling it out for positivity, for the way that it treats women, for the way that it has so much diversity, both above and below the line um, and in the cast. So I think that that, you know, we do want to talk about these things. These things are important. And we didn't want to give the impression that we don't think colonialism is bad. Um, it's horribly, horribly bad. Um, and especially given the um, the kind of climate that we're in politically right now, uh, where we are talking about immigrants, um, which is so horribly offensive, <laughs> considering how the people who are talking about immigration got here. Um, then, I mean, I think that it is important that we talk about it. At the same time, we do want to draw a line between spending, if we if we really address everything with the attention that it deserves, we're going to get off track and not be able to focus on the fiction. So somewhere in there, we want to be in a place where we absolutely acknowledge these things, but without necessarily making this into a podcast that's about something that it's not about, you know? Uh, so we ride that line, we do it the best we can, and sometimes we need to be called out. And we really appreciate it when you guys, you know, give us a heads up that that if we come off as thinking that this isn't a big deal, that's not a terrible 
you know, like genocidal experience and, 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 you know, and something in our past that is absolutely something to be ashamed of and to acknowledge. Um, let us know, by all means, let us know when we get it wrong. You know, we're always going to try our best, but sometimes we're not going to hit the mark. And that's where, you know, your um, feedback really comes in. And it's so, so valuable. So thank you. So having dealt with much more dark, difficult parts of our superhero history. Yes. Let's talk about something we can all agree on. Hippies are dirty and filthy and we should make fun of them. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm super kidding. I really am. But that is definitely the mindset that went into Angar the Screamer. This is interesting. Yeah. Oh, man. I was so jazzed to see that guy. Yeah. Because, man, I just really like name the thing names. You yes. know, like, yes. God God willing, I will get to talk about Unus the Untouchable at some point. But <laughs> it's just great. And Angar the Screamer, it's like on the label. That guy yes. is upset mm-hmm. and will tell you about it at loud volume. Right. <laughs> right. So technically first appearing in the last page of Daredevil number 100 in 1973, Angar didn't get his first real introduction until issue 101, which is titled, I shit you not, Vengeance in the Sky with Diamonds. (laughs) Well, I love that. Oh, sure. Well, it gets better. Angar is exactly what you would expect from an early 1970s villain with hallucinogenic powers, a fringed vest, long hair, and a hippie mustache. He is, as Daredevil himself puts it, a living LSD factory. (laughs) Great. So background. David Angar was a radical social rights activist and would therefore be my hero in any story I wrote in 2019. Sure. But in 1973, he was a scary and dangerous hippie. Mm-hmm. A scary and dangerous hippie who was exposed to titanium technology by the genius geneticist and Shaolong monk with psychic powers, Moon Dragon. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say titanium, I mean the Moon Titan, the Moon of Jupiter. Oh, oh, Titan. Okay. You might have heard of someone else who's from Titan. Thanos, the Mad Titan. Oh, I didn't realize he was from Titan. Well, they named this random planet Titan in Infinity mm-hmm. War, but for the 616's purpose, all he and Moon Dragon and Mentor are all from the moon that orbits Jupiter known as Titan. So we have briefly discussed Moon Dragon before. She is the earthling daughter of mm-hmm. Drax the Destroyer, or at least yes. the man who would become Drax the Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you may have heard from that giant list of things that she's got going on she's like a warrior monk like Mm -hmm. a kung fu movie in space where they also learn psychic powers but she's also a genius geneticist like don't miss that part (laughs) and boy does she hate thanos a lot as all right thinking people seem to do who meet Mm -hmm. him And she needed warriors in her quest for vengeance against the mad titan and Uh angar became one such warrior Uh Aha. That's really all it comes down to. (laughs) When he was done working with Moondragon, Angar became one of the 616's increasingly weird background bad guys. Mm -hmm. Because his look is still basically the same as it was in 1973 when he was bad (laughs) cultural commentary. Mm -hmm. Now he looks like he just got here from like a village people convention. 
I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Angar screams create hallucinogenic effects in anyone who hears them, which is kind of a lot more interesting than everyone just passing out. Right, sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. His screams muck with your brain chemistry, creating natural toxins that induce hallucinations and sometimes amnesia. And this is kind of a cool bit because you may note his first superhero run-in was with Daredevil. Mm -hmm. Typically, illusions do not work on Daredevil because he can't see them. Sure. But because Mm -hmm. this was altering his brain chemistry, he would be like, all of a sudden, I thought I was in outer space. Like he would get Uh, real twisted mm -hmm. around Mm -hmm. and fall from a great height or something like that. But he was like, why did I feel like I was in outer space? This doesn't make any sense. And because Mm -hmm. it often causes amnesia in people, when he would ask people nearby, like, did you feel that? There was a lot of what now? You know, (laughs) it was a very interesting couple of issues. Wow. Now, because of that, Angar doesn't control the content of these hallucinations. They're products of the victim's own brain. So he's Mm -hmm. never sure what he's doing to you other than putting you on what this Marvel writer thought an LSD trip would be like, I guess. (laughs) That's the only four-color fact I have for this set of episodes. Mm -hmm. Any of you who are out there going, but tell me about Inhumans and Kree and stuff, I am led to believe that I am going to have a near infinite opportunity to talk about Inhumans and Kree. And I'm also trying to juggle the eventual Captain Marvel movie and the Inhumans series, the short-lived Inhumans series that Lonnie and I are going to drink our way through. Right. So I got a lot of balls in the air when it comes to Kree and Inhumans. I'm going to put a pin in them for now and just focus on the only named supervillain that we got in this set of episodes that was new. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I think that sounds like a good time for us to go into these episode summaries and talk about these episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. In Aftershocks, the team deals with Tripp's loss as Skye is put in quarantine for further evaluation. Coulson goes on a revenge tear through the heads of Hydra, and Fitz figures out that Skye has changed and switches her blood samples to protect her from everyone freaking out on her. Raina is pissed off and covered in thorns, but she still manages to find Cal, who shrugs her off. But just as she's about to walk into traffic, she gets stopped by soldiers and then rescued by Gordon, a man with no eyes and the ability to transport anywhere, who wraps his arms around her and disappears with her. Meanwhile, Bobby and Mac are spying on Coulson. Aftershocks aired on March 3, 2015, and was written by Marissa Tancheron and Jed Whedon and directed by Billy Gerhardt. In Who You Really Are, Lady Sif returns to Earth without any memory of who she is or why she came. The team finds the Kree who took her memory, and we find out that he came to take back the Inhuman who got powers recently and kill her as an abomination. Sif gets her memory back and agrees with the Kree, but when Skye freaks out and the building starts to shake, they discover that Skye is the Inhuman, and lines are drawn as the team moves to protect Skye from the Kree and Sif. Skye eventually ices herself to protect her team, and Sif realizes that maybe she's not such a danger to everyone, and takes the Kree away, leaving the team to deal with Skye and the new powers she can't quite control. Hunter suspects something's up with Bobby and Mac, and Mac responds to his suspicions by knocking him out and holding him hostage in a bathroom. Who You Really Are aired on March 10th, 2015, and was written by Drew Z. Greenberg and directed by Roxanne Dawson. 
In One of Us, Skye goes into therapy to help her handle her emotions and her powers, and Cal assembles a band of merry misfits from the Gifted Index whose dangerous powers and unstable emotional states almost make the Index seem like maybe not that terrible an idea. <laughs> Cal brings them to Manitowoc, Wisconsin, Coulson's hometown, to force a confrontation with Coulson in a bid to get Skye back. Gordon shows up and disappears Cal in the middle of the fight, and the team takes out the remaining Gifteds. Sky's powers start to shake the ground, and she pulls them inward, fracturing her arms. Meanwhile, we discover who Bobby and Mac are working for. It's S.H.I.E.L.D. The real S.H.I.E.L.D. Whatever the hell that means. <laughs> oh, and Gordon brought Cal to a contained room in Jia Ying's secret hideout. One of Us aired on March 17th, 2015, and was written by Monica Owasu-Breen and directed by Kevin Tancheron. All right, so Joshua, we have these three episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're getting into all of this stuff happening in season two, and I'm curious, how do you feel about this run of episodes? Big step backwards, they're garbage. <laughs> Except for the third one with Cal having supervillains, because that one is amazing, but still that everything going really on that fun. isn't Cal and supervillains is garbage. Is garbage. Garbage on fire. It's not Full good. garbage. Wow, that is a strong response. Everything. Okay, we'll get into it. But man, <laughs> they're just not good. I, they're really not good. I think there are good elements. I think there are things that are that are good within them. Like, I, sure. I really, I like Raina. Like, I love her whole yes. covered in thorns. Yes. I love when she's yelling at Cal and she's like, he's like, you always did like flowers. And she goes, they hurt. And it oh, just man. reminded me of like women in labor, you know, when the guy is trying to like right. say something. It's a anything. joyful moment. Super right. not. Yeah. Super not. They hurt. Um, I love the connection of her transformation to this flower. Like they give her thorns. She always loves flowers and they give her thorns, you know, and I thought that that was really nice. I kind of like that. Um, and uh, so I liked that stuff. I thought Cal was really fun where he showed up in these episodes. Um, there's there's a lot of it that's not great. I don't know if yeah. I call it straight out garbage. I do really love Mac. <laughs> knocking out Hunter and tying him up in a bathroom. <laughs> okay, so look, there are silver linings in every dark cloud. <laughs> but the reasons for Mac doing that are garbage. I don't mm -hmm. care about it. And I d we did this already. Anyway, we will so get into it. But I'm not going to disagree with you. There are some bits that I really, really like. Raina's stuff is great. All of Cal is great. Mm -hmm. uh, the opportunity to see Hunter punished for being kind of half-ass and bad. Uh, I don't love him. I mean, he's fine, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, he's fine. But... A, <laughs> I like him, but it's fun for me. I don't know. Whenever he's put in a bad situation, it's always fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason we would have watched that Mockingbird and Hunter show, right? Right, exactly. Because you know he's going to get tied up and oh, Bobby's yeah. going to have to save him. And we oh, would just yeah. be like, yeah, classic Hunter. <laughs> Man. So, no, no, yeah. I, I wouldn't for one second tell you that there's nothing of redeeming value going on in these three episodes. But I, overall, just what a pile. Just yeah. what a pile. Especially those first two. The first two. Um, okay, so let's go ahead and start talking about, I think, Sky. I think Sky is probably at the top or maybe the bottom of the pile, depending on how you define <laughs> Yes, uh, depending the pile. on where you're looking for the worst parts of the garbage episodes, <laughs> right. that's where Sky is. Yes. All right, so what were your feelings on the Sky arc through these episodes? Um, so 
Okay, we're going to look at like all of them as a piece, I guess. So mm-hmm. yeah. when when we are literally ending an episode with a tearful, something is terribly wrong with me. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, I don't buy any of that. Why are yeah. you even saying that? You don't know anything about anything. Everybody you know of with superpowers mm-hmm. is a good guy, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they've run into some bad guys because there's a whole index and stuff, right? I Don't get me wrong, but it's like, You've also got the Avengers and you've also got Sif and it's like, maybe don't freak out and certainly don't turn it into some kind of like monster from within existential crisis when you're going to fix it one episode later, Lonnie. (laughs) Right. And it's not even like, you know, she's got thorns or anything to deal with the way that Raina does. Yes. I mean, that I could understand. Like if she had been physically changed. Now, of course, part of that, she couldn't be physically changed because A, we're not going to mess up Chloe Bennett. She's, you know, we hired her because she's a good actress, but also she's beautiful. So, I mean, there's part of that. But, um, but, you know, I mean, she's like, she hasn't changed. There's nothing, you know, like really, like she knows she has this power but like you said like you know we have like very firmly established that having powers doesn't make you bad or good being bad or good makes you bad or good yeah you know and i can see her being afraid of like of her power of how she's changed and i could like i could see her saying almost anything else to address that fear like how am i going to handle this that kind of thing you know i would understand that but yeah the idea that something's wrong with her that's that she's suddenly going to be like evil or bad or what her worries are i don't think that we get a really clear sense of that we also have this like wild self-blame you know yeah, um, it's my fault if I hadn't gone down in there, if I hadn't done this thing, if I had. But she had really strong reasons that she believed in strongly in the moment to go down there. She didn't know what was going to happen. This thing happened. You know, um, she, you know, wasn't the one who brought it down there. That was Raina. She was trying to stop it like she was trying to stop it. And there's, you know, like it went wrong. Yeah, and that happens. But right. this, yes, this, like, yes. And this is this thing that we do with characters, and I don't know why this happens so much, but it's like this, if the more guilty somebody feels for whatever it is, whether it's their fault or not, A, it gives us, you know, some, like, internal conflict to write, and that's always fun, but it's fun when it's properly motivated. Like, if she had really done something, if she had been with Raina and was after this and wanted this change and, like, deliberately, you know, knocked all of her friends out so that she could make it happen or something, she was trying to stop exactly this and it happened so you know uh trip died and that was horrible you know um and i get that but like her whole self-blame and then colson's big slam the fist on the glass i'm gonna beat everybody up and kill everybody and then okay i mean let's just the mass assassination of all the hydra heads at dinner like i get it they're bad like, they're obviously bad. It is a, a, a round table of evil white people, and I totally get it, with the exception of one, you know, Saudi prince. So I don't know what that's about. And the woman. But... Well, I mean, I hate to be a jerk about it, because usually Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is much better about this, but we yeah. live in a post-9-11 world, so of course it's a bunch of evil people and one Middle Easterner. Yeah. It's actually I mean, not a good look on a couple of levels, honestly. It's really not. And it, it's really, it's strange. Like, I get them all being, you know, like, powerful, evil white people. Like, I mean. Because it's I get Hydra. 
they came from Nazis. Yeah. Right, exactly. So you look at all of that and you think, there, no way are these people going to be, you know, like uh, progressive and equal opportunity. Like, I get that. <laughs> and having one woman there, I can see because, you know, like, but, but she's also white and represents these classic power yeah, structures. Yeah, the wealth, because, the privilege, yeah. Because women will subsume, like, they will accept, you know, misogyny so they can drink from that, you know, that nice water hose of white supremacy, right? Um, so, like, that's a thing that happens, and, and I get that, you know? But having this this one, like, the one person there be, you know, be like a Saudi, I mean, I'm assuming like some kind of, you know, like high level Saudi person. I don't know if he's a prince or not. I'm not really sure how all that works. But, um, but the whole thing, it, it is a little weird, it is a little uncomfortable, right? I am actually pro the assassination. I mean, yeah, from a fictional the, perspective, like, yeah, <laughs> please hear me. I'm not generally pro assassination. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, the thing that's weird about it, like, I get it. Hydra's bad. They're evil. They're awful. But they're also, like, not powered. So you can, like, get them in jail. You can. I mean, there's got to be something. It is It is weird to see the hero of the piece go on a murder tear. That felt weird to me. But go ahead and explain how you're okay with it, because maybe you'll talk me out of it. Because it just it set, it was, didn't sit well for me. Shield is an espionage organization. Mm-hmm. They remove threats yeah. when nobody knows that the threat is even there. They are mm-hmm. not police officers and should not right. act as police officers. Okay. For the purposes of our fiction. Now, I would also like to draw a distinction between Fury and Coulson here. <laughs> Fury's like, let's put three tiny aircraft carriers in the sky with a bajillion guns and shoot anybody that looks sideways at us. And Coulson is like, I understand that there are five Nazi assholes in a room. Let's put a bullet in their heads. I'm on board. I'm on board. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Like to me, I I guess to me, like, Oh, it's black, but they're spies. It's bad. They're spies. But they're spies. This is what they do. This is what spies should be doing. Okay, this is the kind of thing the spies are meant for. All right, all right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. There was a, there was this weird kind of darkness to it that I felt like we didn't really address. It's one thing to have them do it, you know, and, and Coulson's big, like, revenge thing where he's going to go out and get these guys. It, it seems to me, like, if you're going to do something like that, it shouldn't be in the heat of a, of a moment of vengeance. Yes. It should be calculate because that's what spies, spies calculate. That I can agree with. Yeah. And I really feel like Coulson's outburst is very at odds with the otherwise meticulous nature of this op. Yeah. It is a Swiss watch of fooling a bunch of jerks who are good at fooling everybody else. And I'm also here for that. Yes. You know? (laughs) But for that to kind of grow out of a fist slamming, you know, we're going to kill every single one of them and burn their houses down and murder their pets also was a very incongruous did not fit so yes. that part i can agree with you that actually gives it more of a dark turn for me than the fact mm-hmm. that they did it at all right and i think that that's part of what bothers me with it too is that it's it's 
for Coulson, Shield is the is kind of becoming a thing that he uses for his personal, you know, to grind his personal axe. Oh you know? mercy, will like, we get into that shortly? Yeah, right. To protect the people that he deems important, while others are, you know, completely uh, expendable, and um, and to just murder like all of these guys were bad, and they were bad news all along. But now. <laughs> You know, um, now he's on a vengeance tear. And so now they've all got to die. Um, so I don't know. Like, it felt a little weird to me. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's a spy show. They're doing spy things is what spies do. Right. You know, and OK, fine. Um, but it did feel a little bit off, I think, to me. I wonder and it's impossible to know. You've seen this a 100 times already. But I wonder right. if if this had instead been, OK, so we're done messing around with them. Let's go do the op instead of fist slam and their pets. You know, um, yes, yes. I wonder mm-hmm. if it still would have struck you wrong. It might have. I mean, it's it's a pretty serious next leveling of shady spy business for this show. Yeah, it, it it's yeah. very in your face as far as like the violence Nouveau Shield is prepared to do. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the name of protecting X. I mean, because because right. let's be honest, it's Hydra. So sure, Coulson is grinding a personal axe, but they're also Hydra. The rest of the world's yeah, in a well, lot of right. trouble too. Right. I mean, they're they're clear. Like they're all bad. They're all bad. You know, super bad news. And like we, I get that. You know, and I think that if he hadn't been, if he hadn't slammed his fist, and you know swore vengeance you know for the loss of of his guy like these people have been killing people and doing terrible things all along like yeah. but it's because yeah. it because we lost trip that suddenly colson who when he is calculating and he's saying this is what we have to do for these reasons and this is because and yada yada like okay i'm with him it was the personal vengeance element of it i think that that i just felt like that was too much that was sure. a bit too much i mean not that i wasn't glad to see those assholes die you know I mean, <laughs> sure it was, it was really nice to see the lady with the champagne just kind of like you know turning to stone and oh, um, man. the way that trip did and um yeah it was just so i don't know like i i get it they're bad they should be you know eliminated because they're just terrible but um and they're also a, a huge danger. They, you know, pose a huge threat and all of that. But I think it's that personal thing. And I also really didn't like there was something just so weird about that whole thing, you know, with Sky. And Sky's getting all upset. And so he's yelling at her about how he's gonna like take this vengeance. And just when it's personal, when it's personal, that's where it bugs me. Because that's the thing, a spy agency shouldn't be personal. It's also a little paternal, right? Like, yeah. um, and not in a good way. Um yeah. That Coulson's like, I'm going to go settle this hash while you're stuck in this glass room, a substitute daughter. You know, yes. uh, you have had a very difficult time and I will go sort it out for you. Cool. Yes. Cool. With mm-hmm. murder? Okay. With murder. Yeah, yeah. With lots of murder. Yeah. So I don't know. It was all a little bit weird. But um, okay. So let's talk weird. Right. Uh, we open this uh, the first episode with uh, expositional you know, who'sy whatsy with Jia Ying, right? Yes, also um, garbage. Where we, where we see, yes, exactly. Where we see baby Gordon right after he gets his powers, he's, you know, slashing all over the place, can't get out of the room, um, doesn't know what's going on, his eyes are completely covered. And actually, I, you know, I felt for that kid, like the, you know, the kid Gordon, I was like, wow, that's, that's a really, you know, neat kind of thing. I had complete empathy for him. But then we go into this whole thing where Jia Ying is talking with this other guy. And he's like, yes, Jia Ying, you are the most amazing that has ever amazed anyone ever. Like, um, you know, it's so good 
good that we all have you around to do all this. And it's just this expositional thing about how she's so incredible, you know. And uh, and then she goes in and she comforts Gordon and she is this like motherly figure and all of this stuff. And that's it. There just <laughs> should have been a sad trombone playing all over every scene with Jaying in it. I think this was all the scenes with Jaying, though. We had Gordon. But this is like, I think, all we had with Jia Ying. We're just, you know, introducing her. Um, but that's and... Cal's wife, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm saying yeah. these are flashbacks where it's like, you're the best thing that's ever happened. Womp, womp. A yes, Nazi's exactly. going to dissect you and steal all of your fluids. <laughs> I mean, it's like, this is yeah. the thing that you do before we see her get kidnapped and vivisected so that we feel like so that we have an emotional tie to her kidnapping right. and vivisection. Not right, but there's no narrative. There's no oh, like oh, yeah. narrative That's a whole other, thing what is it even happening doing there. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the thing. Open up in flashback. Open up in this space like flashbacks, prologues. I don't care. It's bad narrative juju. It just is. It just steals all of your momentum. We open this episode with this thing where it's just like this guy being like, oh, but you are so amazing. I am here to tell you how amazing you are. And then, you know, she goes in with Gordon. I, I cared about Gordon. I thought Gordon, that thing was kind of pretty cool. And having some kind of idea who he is before, you know, we end up seeing him as he takes Raina in the one episode and then takes Cal in the other episode, you know? But I um, mean, getting we saw him, him with a diviner. We knew yeah. that yeah. he's involved in this inhuman business. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, it is a not yeah. good choice. It, I, I didn't particularly care for it. But um, what I did love, what I did love with my whole heart every time he showed up, was Cal. It's the Cal show, you guys. <laughs> Man, especially this three episodes. It is the Cal show. It's Cal's world and we're living in it. Even when he's not in it much. I don't even think he was in the Lady Sif episode. No, huh? You know? Yeah, they were. Which means or, the Lady or... Sif episode, aside from Hunter getting kidnapped, you know, <laughs> basically could just go. I don't even care. Oh, yeah. Let's. Okay. There's. There's about nine pins I want to put in that. Let's continue to yes. gush about how amazing Cal is. <laughs> Let's talk about how amazing Cal is. I love him so much. Um, I've always loved him. Every time I watch it, though, I love him a little bit more. I love when he's on the boat and he's like, cool as a cucumber, quiet as a mouse, don't want any trouble. Like talking to the guy who's letting right. him stow away, you know? <laughs> it is so adorable. And then, you know, when Raina shows up and he talks with her and he's just like, I so don't care. Like he has... No concern for her. He's like, you got what you wanted. This is awesome. You yeah. found your fate. And, you know, and she's like, I am in pain. This is terrible. I love that whole thing with the two of them. The coldest thing I have yet to hear in the entirety of the MCU, I think, mm -hmm. is Raina saying, I can't live as this monster. And Cal's response of, then don't. Yes. Oh, my God. I know. Ice cold. I know, and I still love him. I think there's something wrong with me, but he's no, just, he's, he's so proper great. villainy. We haven't had he hardly is. any. <laughs> no, he's great. I mean, I I love everything about him, and I love that he can be, you know, like he can be like you know emotionally connected, and like he understands all that stuff. So it's not like he doesn't have empathy. It's just he chooses like I think not to engage it at certain points, and I think that he just literally does not care what happens to Reina, you know. No. Um, and never and has, I just, which yeah. I think is the bigger shock for Reina. Right, and I kind of love it, you know. I mean, it's just it's all it's all so much, you know. It's just it's so much, Cal, and I love every minute with him. Um, I love. 
I love the episode, the last episode. He's putting together his band of merry, you know, gifted misfits. <laughs> it is so much fun. And I've been watching a lot of The Sopranos lately. So seeing uh, Adriana Laserva, <laughs> yes, yes um, in that role, it was so, so fun. I, I absolutely loved seeing her. And she was, that was scary. Okay. She's great in this yeah. episode. Um, her... Overall, like, I really like everything she's doing this episode, but I believe yeah. that at that stage, we may have ratcheted the definition of gifted down to its lowest right. point, right? Because like, she just put, she just put like knives in her fingers. Like, she right. just did that, right? Why don't you give her natural claws or talons or something instead of just like, I screwed razor blades to the top of my fingers? She doesn't need super cool finger gloves. She no, needs what she to needs is surgery unscrewed. and therapy. <laughs> right, exactly. Like that's a situation where it's it's essentially the equivalent of somebody who like, you know, taped a bunch of, you know, exacto knives to their hands. Right. And just started swiping around. Like you can you don't have to, you know, put like protective covers on her. And that was also weird too. And then they had that thing over the face of Angar. You know, where they covered up his face, you know, rather than like, you know, there's got to be another way. How, do, how does he eat? Like, what do you He sucks it through do? a straw. We saw that in the diner. Oh, right. Oh, God. <laughs> it's just, and the thing is, I kind of, on the one hand, it's so horrifying, you know? Um, but on the other hand, it's it's like the choice to cover up her fingers like that was weird. Um, it's like the choice the, to, yeah. The comparison between... Her and Angar is really good because yeah. with Angar, it's like, OK, maybe you could do something that made it so he couldn't speak, but he didn't have this, you know, Hannibal Lecter mask on right. and never mm -hmm. take it off. And so comparing them, but he's also extremely dangerous and yes. clearly mm -hmm. having razor blades on your fingers ups your danger level somewhat. <laughs> But mostly to yourself, <laughs> I think. Well, yeah. How do you take your contacts out? How, how do you do this is as far as I'm going to go. How do you do literally any basic anything. biological thing? <laughs> yeah. If you start going down that road, it's all bad. It's all bad. Like, Monster it's all claws. Weird. Even yeah. if even if she grafted lion paws onto her hands or something would be a better pull than here's some razor blades. Like now right. I appreciate how much that episode was going for the horror movie vibe. And she yes. fits that. And it right? hit that really nicely. I mean, it was disturbing, but I mean, she belongs in Arkham Asylum. Yeah, she is. That is, that is a D list Batman villain, not an agents of shield villain. It just does not, yeah. doesn't compute. And you're right. Gifted isn't what it is. We are you know? down to the dregs. Right. And I wonder if that's what, like, I don't know. She's on the index. Let's just put the gloves on her and call it a day. What do you guys say? I, I, I think it's, you know, she's on the index. She's right here on the way to Angar. So we might as well just stop in and pick her up rather than go out of our way for somebody who might be a little bit more. I meant know, the shield agents, team. but that's funny, too, because oh, I no, can imagine that the shield now. agents that put her in the gloves were like, it's 430 right. on a Friday. Let's bounce. Let's just let's just do this. Right. Rather yeah. than schedule, a, a, you know, some therapy and a surgery for her. But um, but no, but like, you know, Cal choosing her like if he has the gifted index, you know, and he's got, he's, you know, like he could uh, there was nobody else within driving distance. I'm guessing, 
you know, and he was just like, okay, let's just, let's just take this one and see what happens. Or maybe it was just fun for him. I don't know. Sure. She's a good recruit in that she has shown a great deal of initiative and also violent tendencies. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And she is going to feel wronged 1000% rightly by S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. So she's Mm -hmm. a great recruit, but it's also like, but those are just like scalpels. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Okay. So it's a she's weird. great. It's not a gifted thing. As yeah. long as you don't look too hard, you know. Right. But I mean, but I love her. Like yes. she, I yes. think, is great. And I think that she's freaky and scary and just fantastic in that role. So I really, really liked her in it. Um, and Cal, of course, is so crazy and so fun. I love at the end, like where he's coming out on the football field and he's just yelling at Colson. He's like, he killed a man I've been plotting to kill for two and a half decades. Disappointment. You know, I mean, my God. This <laughs> is the super villain content that I signed up for. Yes. Yes. I mean, he makes he makes a team. It's a mm-hmm. team of a bunch of weirdos with decent but not spectacular powers that he brings yes. together. This is the kind of group that Spider-Man should be punching on a Wednesday. Right. I love mm-hmm. this. I love it so much. And I love that Cal being Cal also kind of shows why most supervillain team-ups don't really work out. Mm-hmm. Is that you're mm-hmm. not dealing with your greatest team players or thinkers. Right. You know, mm. um, and I like that, like that this team falling apart is built in. It's baked in from minute one. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for it. I love all of this, yeah. you know. No, it is it is very, very fun. And I really enjoyed it. But I'll tell you what, though, if I was going to build a band of Merry Misfits, I would go to Discord. I would go to the Chipperish Discord chat and I would find some really awesome people there. We got a lot of very gifted people there, although most of them are gifted intellectually rather than like grafting you know, weird things onto their fingertips, uh, which I think is good. But um, but they're fantastic. They're really, really smart. And being part of the Discord chat is one of the benefits that you get when you choose to support Chipperish Media on Patreon. So head over to patreon.com slash chipperish. Get into that Discord chat and build a band of merry misfits of your very own. If you're wondering how to impress us, Yes. That's the way to do it, not screwing razor blades into your fingernails. Exactly. Please don't please don't alter yourselves in a way that's going to be horribly, horribly painful for every minute of the rest of your lives. Um, but anyway, so back to this discussion. Um, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, which is one of my favorite things, and I guess I, I can't spoil something that doesn't really happen, so it's fine. And I, of right. course, I think I'm the only one who's obsessed with this idea. Um, but we got a little hint of a sense of dark Gemma happening here, right? Yes. She's so upset. She's so, like, angry that this happened to Trip when she has that horrible moment where she says he was in fragments and she starts falling apart. Like, all that is really great. Wait, I should have stopped it. We shouldn't be trying to understand it. We should be trying to eliminate it. She's going through this whole thing. And I love this sense of dark Gemma that, like, you know, once these things start happening, you start losing people. Um, you know, it, it's all real. It's not fun and games, you know. Um, that's when you can take a character dark. And seeing a character turn dark, as anybody who listens to my my still dead podcast about uh, Angel the series, <laughs> me and Dark Wesley, yep. that thing. Um, when somebody turns dark, it's so fun to kind of see them go down that path and then, you know, get that redemption story. And when this was airing, I was like, ooh, they're going to 
make Gemma dark. I like it. She was in Hydra for a while. You know, she saw Donnie Gill get killed. Now she was here for Trip and this thing happened. And so she's just going to like, you know, lose it. Um, no, we, we, we play with Dark Gemma a little bit, but it never actually happens. And I'm so disappointed because I love this idea of, of Gemma going dark. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I love it. I mean, I love yeah. it when characters do that broadly. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I love it for Gemma as much as you do, but it is a little disappointing that they f- play footsie with it this much and never go hard. Oh, yeah. No, they'll play footsie with it more. Like, we'll we'll play footsie with Dark Gemma uh, plenty. There have been so many times where I feel like, I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is just messing with me. They're just like, hey, Lonnie, here's this thing. You know you love this thing? Well, here it is. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> right. like- are you already, are you already a little attracted to Gemma? <laughs> What what if we just sprinkle a little might murder you dust in there? Hmm? How about that? That's all I want. Hmm? Just a little might murder you dust. I don't know why it would kill them. <laughs> um, and then we've got, you know, Cardigan Fitz, right? You know, Fitz, um, who is just trying to keep his distance from all this stuff. He's down in the garage working with Mac. Um, but of course, he figures out what's going on with Skye. And I love that moment, too, where he's talking with her and he's so upset and he doesn't know what to think, you know, and she starts getting upset. And then he protects her, you know, and he changes the blood samples and he doesn't want anybody freaking out on her, you know, um, because everybody's like everybody's heightened about this whole inhuman thing and everybody needs to just calm down. Um, You know, it's it's really I love the moment where he's uh, he's, you know, comes in, Sky's there. He's trying to get rid of Gemma and he's like, would you go change your sheets? I would do it. But the last time I was in there, there were a lot of lady things (laughs) yeah first of all Gemma's like head of the science division they have people to change sheets there's got to be somebody in that whole big building yeah who's there to change sheets and mop floors and do all that kind of stuff but it was so cute you know for him to to ask her that and then you know talks to sky and and they have their whole bonding thing that is the only bright spot of that otherwise terrible scene is yeah fitz's response of no you're just different now yeah no, I love that. Yeah. I mean, clearly that doesn't stick because we come to the next episode where Sky's like, I'm a monster. Look I at know. me. Uh, but in the moment, I was like, well, the rest of this is garbage, but good job, Fitz. Yeah. No, I like that from Fitz. I like, And when everybody's mad, like after everybody finds out, you know, um, that Sky's got these powers and everybody's mad at Fitz and they're like, no, you know, we needed to know and we need to be protected from her and all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I was still on Fitz's side. Everybody was ganging up on him, but I was like, it was right. I understand with Gemma being hurt that he didn't tell her more because they've been so close for so long and they yeah. always told each other everything. And that shows a, a degradation in their relationship that is at the core of every scene with, you know, with Fitz and Simmons. Um, but I don't know. I was on Fitz's side. I thought he did the right thing. People were freaking out. And and Sky, first of all, I think that it's Sky's decision who knows and who doesn't because this is her thing and she's got to figure it out. So I don't know. What do you think? Am I wrong? Well, this is a complicated bundle. Um, yeah. I, but I like that. Like, I, I love how complicated it is. I do think mm-hmm. pretty clearly Fitz did the right thing from the perspective of being Sky's friend. Yes. Because everyone mm-hmm. around them was going bonkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, including some fairly uh, dehumanizing talk from Gemma, which is, yeah. again, that flirting with the darkness. And I could see where that would really shock Fitz. And, and I really yeah. like how we find out part of the betrayal, as far as Gemma's concerned, is that Fitz lied about the science. 
Yeah. It's not just the lying, which, by the way, is bad enough, sir. Yes. But you lied to me about mm-hmm. the findings, you know. <laughs> yes, about the science. The peer that review is, is that sacrosanct. That is a sacred thing, right? Yeah. That's a sacred thing for them. I mean, I think seriously, like, you know, it's funny, but like, seriously, that is. Science is the thing that bonds them together. That's, you know, that's part of, it's a sacred thing for both of them. And so for him to, you know, fake results and to lie to her about it, that's a huge violation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like that's real, um, that's real, like under the surface, you know, we don't really go yeah. into that, but it's also, we get a couple of lines and I'm like, that's some good character work. And I yeah. think, I think I also, well, okay. So if Sky went to her doctor mm-hmm. and her doctor was like, yep, sure enough, you're totally an inhuman and have superpowers. And then he called shield. That would be clearly wrong. Like it's up to right. her to, to tell people, but mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you are a shield agent. <laughs> Your expectation <laughs> of privacy is negative 2000. Uh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and especially because if Gemma is your doctor and she goes, yeah. oh, yep, sure enough, you are literally a monster at the genetic level. She's going to go <laughs> tell the director, you know. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he de- so Fitz definitely did the right thing as a friend. He did the exact wrong thing as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, which is which, is, which is wonderful, which is part of the reason why I love that when you have to make those choices, you know, you and you see who Fitz really is like Fitz has such a strong reaction to betrayal Mm -hmm. and part of that I think comes from his incredible steadfast loyalty like his loyalty is absolutely you know and I think that that's part of the reason why that betrayal hits him so hard and I think that these personal relationships are absolutely number one for him that comes above shield for him every single time and twice on Sundays so um, I love that we kept that part of his his personality his character consistent it's it's also it has evolved though too because i think Mm -hmm. that at the beginning of season one the idea that he could be betrayed by shield would have been unthinkable right and now it's like i don't even trust Gemma a hundred percent like it makes a lot of sense like there's been a Mm -hmm. lot of rungs knocked out from under fits and uh so it's it's strong that is all strong character work that had a poison center of uh, Sky insisting she's a monster despite <laughs> looking like that. <laughs> and also having a generally good heart, even if she doesn't yes. have a lot of personality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and hit the, the really bad stuff. Right. Which for me, honestly, was as much as I love Lady Sif, and I do love Lady Sif, um, that episode, I don't know. It's not necessary. Um, yeah. I will say now I'll save this for my my favorite part because I kind of cheat and have a theoretical okay. favorite part. So I will say that it was nice to see Sif again. And this yes. episode gave me an idea of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that would have been really interesting but never was. Okay. So I'll just mm-hmm. put a little pin in that for now. All right. Does it have Dark Gemma in it? Because if it has Dark Gemma in it, I'm in. Hey, how about if she's the villain? Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So that – I, but yeah, as par, as far as being part of a whole – it's just like we're gonna have Sif, but she doesn't remember who she is, and yeah, and then why Coulson shows she? her these pictures of the two of them working together that were taken by like <laughs> that are clearly promo pictures that ABC took, right? How did you, Coulson? How did you have these pictures? They're production stills. What? It's like exactly. I mean, they're from that. Like, are you gonna tell me that a spy organization has a photographer on staff on retainer just there to document everything that? No. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, yeah. you want nothing documented. So he has these pictures of him and Sif, you know, which and it's just it was one of those things where it's like, here, I can show you that we know each other. And I'm like, why? Why, why do you this? have like, this? And yeah. she wasn't really resisting the idea anyway. Right. Yeah. No, it's just it's all so freaking weird. And then they've got that like stupid moment. And I just I don't know. And it's me and Thor. Like, I, I got a thing with Thor. You know, we've talked about it before. I I love Chris Hemsworth. Like, I love, you know, the way he plays Thor and all. This, and sometimes I like Thor. But Thor generally is like a dumb hero, which makes me nuts. But everybody is insane. It's always like, ooh, Thor. You know, and then at this one moment, May says Thor. And then she's like, well, I don't know why. But now I want to smile. And I'm like, okay. oh, my God. Two things. Yes. One that is on point for what they want us to think about Sif as far as the larger yes. MCU. Yes. Secondly, I am fascinated that May has a type. <laughs> and that that is the type. Right? That May is like, I don't know. I just like I'm really pretty and dumb. I don't need them to talk to me. I have people to talk to. Well, yeah. And it's not like May really likes to talk. <laughs> Exactly. Not interested in, in, you know, deep scintillating conversation is not May's style. I get it. So you I know? like all of that a lot. Yeah. Like, and and that that in both the last appearance of Sif and mm-hmm. this one, it's real. I mean, you got a little bit more of the drooling from uh, Gemma and Sky, but in but the the continuous yeah. line between Sif's last appearance and this one is that Sif and May share a type. <laughs> and I like it. It's an interesting and they're both character warrior beat. women who like dumb men. But and the thing is, like, I do. I like Thor. But everybody's always like Thor, you know. And I'm like, yeah, he's pretty. Like, pretty counts for a little, not a lot, you know. And like, honestly, somebody who's less pretty but more interesting and smart is far more attractive. I think so. Like this whole thing where everybody's just like Thor, and it, it's just I don't know. It diminishes. Thor to me a little bit too because it like it it makes him all about being pretty and having biceps the size of tree trunks and like that's where his value is and I think his value is in that he's a good person you know that like there's a lot of other things that I think are Thor's so there's something about that where Thor's entire value is like you know kind of ripped down to just his his like physical appearance always annoys me but on top of it like I get it with Sif because Sif I think is the only one out of everybody who like genuinely knows Thor and loves him for who he is and I get that well it's also her only personality trait <laughs> well which is p- what bugs me about it honestly. criminally you know it's her only yeah. character trait again we'll get to Sif my is, fake there's favorite thing (laughs) yeah there's a whole bunch of awesome with Sif like I love Sif in a million different ways but this whole thing with Thor like as being and that is it's part of what defines her is that she's in love with Thor and the very idea that she's in love with Thor and he's mucking around with Jane Foster please please anyway that's a whole other discussion we already had that discussion anybody who wants to listen can go back and listen to the Thor episodes we did listen to us disagree vehemently about yes. who Thor should date on the yes. Dark World episode of Listen Up, A-Holes. <laughs> but in this episode, Sif is almost written cartoonishly. Like, there's all of this, like, bantery, you know, funny dialogue going back and forth between, like, her and Coulson and all. And it just is, it it's weird and it clunks for me. Like, how did you feel about Sif's appearance in this episode? Well, I, I didn't mind the kind of bantery business because that was when Sif didn't remember who she was. 
Yeah. So the idea that she might, and, and, and to be honest, she got along with the squad pretty well in her yeah. last appearance. Mm-hmm. So the idea that Sif with amnesia, so she forgot mm-hmm. that she has a stick stuck somewhere, yeah. <laughs> could chill <laughs> out and be part of the team was cool. I, uh-huh. I actually liked that. Um, yeah. Uh, like it made sense. It, even that made character sense to me, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, clearly she hasn't lost all her memory. She can still speak English and knows where she's from and all that stuff. So if this is just like, you know, the more young, carefree, not quite so moon eyes over Thor version mm-hmm. of Sif, I like that stuff, right? Yeah. And and again, this episode does give me an idea of uh, another possible Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. And the idea that when she shows up, it's kind of a big deal. Like, mm-hmm. what's happened? She, she naturally escalates things. Um, yes. While at she the does. same time being in an episode that matters less than zero percent, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's complicated. So I so I think I largely liked Sif here. I think I like Sif better when she's not in Thor movies. I don't know. I don't know. Sif is complicated for me. I like her, but I don't like the way that they write her. Yeah. That's just like, yeah. that's basically how it comes down to me for Sif. All right. So let's talk about this Cree dude. OK. Right. The Cree dude who is using nitrogen to pass for humans so that he can wander around and find this inhuman. It's all weird. Uh, and especially because, like, what we know about the Cree now, now, at this point in the show, we don't know that much about the Cree. Yeah. You know, what I know about the Cree, and I mean, let's go back to Guardians of the Galaxy, right? You know, I mean, the, the Ronin the Destroyer was Cree. Right. Just war bound, just wants to kill everybody. That's kind of how the Kree, I think, are generally represented. I is mean, that, excuse right? me. Ronan the Accuser. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm only Ronin going to take whatever. offense. <laughs> because that is his job and he is very good at it. In theory, not actually people. in Guardians of the Galaxy, but in theory. Yeah. Yeah. And where did he get that from? J'accuse? Is that what did he get? go around accusing people of stuff? Where yes. Did... Oh my gosh, okay. you've forgotten all my four color facts. Ronan the Accuser is the head of the Accuser Corps in the military justice system of the entire Cree civilization. <laughs> he's the supreme accuser. So he's a big cop. Yes. Oh, I don't know. It's it's kind of stupid though, isn't it? Uh, okay, no. Um, <laughs> no. Well, okay. Not in the 616. Okay. Maybe here, because as we discussed in the guard, wow, lots of callbacks. As we discussed in the Guardians of the Galaxy episode, who the hell knows what's up with the Kree? Right. You know, who the hell knows what's up with Ronan, right? Right. In the 616, where the Kree are like this hyper militaristic Mm -hmm. society, um, again, one of my favorite descriptions of their entire ethos is something like Zen fascism. Okay. Good. I like all that for them. And I like that Ronan, who is this like hyper principled example of upholding their law. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. in the best written stories, he gets put in a place where he's like, yeah, but we might be wrong about this one. And he has to, you know, Mm -hmm. go against his. Now, that's way down the road. A lot of at the beginning, the important thing about him was, by the way, the Kree are all assholes. I am the king of them as assholes. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to hit you with my big ass hammer. And the entire Fantastic Four shows up and gets walloped by him, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is a problem. Anyway. Yes. So 616, all this is on point for me. Supreme accusers, you know, militaristic stuff. But I don't know what's going on in the MCU because here we have a guy 
who says one vicious faction among the Cree. And I was like, I'm right. sorry, the vicious faction in the Cree is the Cree. Well, see, that was my understanding, too, because the Cree sort of are this uh, shortcut to all of them are bad, right? And I think that that is generally flat writing. Anyway, the idea that an entire, you know, group of an entire planet of people, like, yeah. you know, are going to be all bad, no matter what. They have no goodness in them. Uh, but it seems to me that the Cree are essentially, in the MCU, at least from my understanding of it, that the Cree are essentially our bad guy vending machine that you pop one out yeah. you put in a, you put in seven quarters you pop one out and you get a bad guy you know and they tend to be very flatly written they tend to be so here we have this guy who is you know there's one vicious fraction he's a good Cree um, you know there's this one moment too where he says that's noble stupid but noble you know like where he's joking now that's and- a Cree line <laughs> is that a Cree line I mean I mean the idea that it's like oh uh, we appreciate n- your nobility Mm-hmm. We're still going to wipe you out. It will help okay. us kill you. So it's stupid, okay. but we get it. <laughs> Ethics are cool, you know. All right. It just, I guess it just seems like, I, I mean, I like the idea that you can complicate this entire group of people that we have flattened down to one trait. They're bad people. They're bad guys and they just want to kill things. And so they're automatic bad guys, you know. Um, but it just, it, this whole thing just felt weird to me. This guy, the way that he was written felt weird to me because it's not a universe in which that's something that we generally do with the Cree. So, I mean, I, I guess I like that better, but it just it, it felt weird and inconsistent, even though I like it better. So I feel like we're going to get some nuance for this in our okay. upcoming Captain Marvel movie, obviously, yes. because she winds up working for the Kree. Right. Mm-hmm. And thinking she's Kree to a certain extent. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what they're going to do, but and, and for yeah. the record, there have been a few air quotes, good Kree, because I should stop saying it like that. There have been some Kree that sided with Earth and their heroes over Mm-hmm. The Cree Empire. And the reason I yes. don't want to start talking about good and evil necessarily is that while the Cree are jerks, it's largely mm-hmm. because they think themselves are the most important things, right? Like Cree right. mm-hmm. first, you know, mm-hmm. uh, make Hala great again. Um, <laughs> so we can disagree with that ethic very strenuously and that it turns them into kind of speciesist jerks that are mm-hmm. also racist mm-hmm. jerks because they're yeah. different colors of Cree sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But in the MCU, it does feel a little weird that we have genocidal warlike maniacs, Ronan, who is basically nothing. And then yes. we're going to get the nuance for that on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's not to denigrate this show. It's just also like right. we know that the larger MCU does not care about this show. Well, we also don't address it as nuance. Like it's not it's not like we look at it and and kind of address it and be like this. We're just like, oh, okay, that's that's fine. You're just you're just a good Cree. That's great. You yeah. Know? Um, and yeah, it's, just, it's a little weird because it's he good-ish. is there to kidnap an autonomous being because and of kill, her genetic I mean, makeup. Right. Yeah. Which, by the way, so, is pretty Cree. That's honestly, I just talked myself into it. That's pretty Cree. That's on yeah, brand for the Cree. <laughs> Fairly on brand. All right. Yeah, it felt a little weird. It felt a little strange to me. But, you know, It also surprised me, as someone who hasn't seen this but knows kind of Uh the larger mythology, that they would so immediately and closely tie the origin of the Inhumans to the Kree. I kind of Mm -hmm. expected that to be a surprise. I mean, obviously, it's teased in the fact that the Kree blood did not affect Sky in the same way that it affected Mm -hmm. Coulson. 
you know? Mm-hmm. So they yeah. tease some of that. But also, Inhumans aren't just people with Cree genetics. Like, they're mm-hmm. different. So I'm both kind of, like, confused and intrigued that they just threw that out there. Like, yep, we're the Cree and we did it. And we regret it. Yeah. And I was like, that's a damn lie, first of all. You do not. <laughs> You made a bunch of weapons and they got to be a little too much for you and you bounced. That is not the same thing. We regret it. Sort of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. No. This is one of those places where knowing more actually made Mm -hmm. this move more confusing. Not necessarily in his character, but just in the, oh, we're just going to roll this out. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. No, it was just kind of a weird thing. Um, and then we have, you know, of course, at the end of this episode, that moment with Skye where she ices herself to stop herself from hurting anybody else. And it is in that moment of supreme sacrifice, right? Yes. <laughs> that, that Sif is suddenly convinced of her goodness. Switch sides again. Uh-huh. <laughs> and says, all right, fine. You can keep her. <laughs> right? Um, what did you think of that? Um garbage i don't know what else to say it's not good like first of all i don't entirely understand why asgard gives a damn what the kree are doing does asgard feel protective but i mean the thing is like she found out the kree had landed there so maybe thor i mean it was odin who sent her though right didn't she say it was odin right but this is post dark world so that would be loki odin and he doesn't give a damn no, that's very true. So, but I mean, there's this whole thing that like Thor feels protective of Midgard yes, because Jane Foster is on it. Not the rest of Asgard. No, fair enough. But she loves Thor. Okay. And he loves them peoples. So okay. she's going to go after But also, I why? Guess. I don't know. This is the other thing where it's not that I think they haven't thought their cosmology out. It's that I'm kind of confused by it. So which yeah. one of the nine mm-hmm. worlds is Hala? Yeah. You know, and it's not. It's not one of mm-hmm. them. Okay. Um, I don't think, because neither mm-hmm. is Xandar. Like, we've already talked about more worlds <laughs> than nine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I get that part of that is these are the nine that kind of go into confluence with one another. And right. what, whatever. But I'm saying it's like, I don't, and this kind of comes back to why Sif again, too, I guess. But it's like, why, why this one random Cree, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is he, if he's there to collect her, the Cree cleaning up their own messes, not really a thing. Right? right? they That's why they make their messes elsewhere. Well, isn't he there to destroy her as an abomination? And when you use a word like abomination, that reads to me as, um, you know, as kind of... Uh, Religious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's zealotry. Yeah. yeah. Except our zealot is supposed to be the good guy. It doesn't hold together. And right. Sith's reaction to all of it also doesn't hold together. And it ends... Mm-hmm with a line that I could choke people out over, or I guess a conversation. <laughs> because Sif <laughs> says to that? Coulson, you know, uh-huh. oh, you know how our people use logic to make decisions. And Coulson's like, yeah, ours too. And I'm like, you're a goddamn liar and you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> we have actual science on this. You decide what you want because you want it and then use your brain to justify it. That is how everybody <laughs> makes decisions. <laughs> That is definitely how Asgard makes decisions. We've had two whole movies about it by this point. Coulson just went on a vengeance tear against an organization that he apparently could have taken out two months ago, but now it's personal. Right. But now we'll do it, right? Yeah. Like, I just wanted both of them to just kind of, like, look sideways at the camera after that conversation. Because I was like, no, bro, that is just lies on lies from your lie holes. 
Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I, perhaps it's, it's, that's the yeah. thesis statement for my issues with the entire episode. It, it may be. It may well be. Yeah, the whole episode does not really hold well together for me. And then at the end when everybody is, you know, say, well, no, we have to protect us from Sky. And then Sky, of course, overhears that conversation. And the whole, like the whole thing felt. 15 minutes later. No, it's yeah. fine. We're going to ignore the advice of both an extraterrestrial who seems to have our best interests at heart and an <laughs> extraterrestrial that definitely has our best interests at heart. Yes. I know that 15 minutes ago we were ready to actually put her in a gulag for her genetics, but now we stand against you. Shut up. Right. I don't like it. I don't like it. No, all of it's all of it's weird. Um but then, you know, we have Sky doing this having this moment where she takes herself out so that she doesn't hurt everybody else but also she's also there where the quake is happening <laughs> so i mean i don't think she wants anything to fall down on her either yeah well um, yeah there's a so, there's a bit of self-preservation then there's also like behold the sacrifice of sky and i was like what the sacrifice exactly. of a hangover i'm like yeah i mean she iced herself you know <laughs> i mean and that was like, you know, I mean, I don't know. So anyway, so all of that was like, okay, this big moment for Sky. Then we go through this whole thing with Cal and the, the band of Merry Misfits. And Cal gets taken in the middle of this conflict. Our main antagonist gets taken out in the middle of this conflict by Gordon and removed from the, the field of play, literally. Um, and then <laughs> May, you see the slow motion of May going after one of the Misfits. <laughs> I was like, nobody ever wants to be... In that POV, yeah. <laughs> you're seeing May in slow motion. If May out. is going to reservoir dogs towards you, you are in a <laughs> lot of trouble. It is not not going to end well. So they're taking out all of these guys, and then um, Sky is there, and everything's shaking, and she can't control it, and she turns it in herself, and her arms, you know, break in like a million different places, you know. Um, so what did you think of of that? Of her, you know, pulling that energy in and and hurting herself. Um, I like the idea that mm-hmm. that trying to control her her powers badly still yeah. has an effect, right? And I mean, yeah. when I say badly, it's not her fault. She's had them for 10 minutes and they're clearly yeah. very destructive. Yeah. But turning them around on the inside is also kind of a good setup for the Sky Needs Therapy episode. I mean, in as much as we want to have an episode about that, which apparently sure, we did. Sure. Um, yes. But that's a good, like, oh, I turned my emotions in on myself and shattered my bones. Right. I like that mm-hmm. metaphor a lot. I like that, too. I really, I love when, because the thing is, like, like unearned power is never fun. It's never interesting, right? And whenever you're talking about these, um, you know, these powers that come, like, having a, a good, solid metaphor you know, for that kind of thing can be really good. So the idea that she is taking all of her power and turning it against herself, you know, pulling it inward and hurting herself, you know, to protect others and to try to like keep herself from, uh, you know, from just destroying things. Um, I actually really like that. Yeah. I like that yeah. there's consequence. And and that's one of the things we're going to stick with, you know, with, with Sky. Um, and that she is earning her power by learning how to control it and learning how to use it. So, um, so I actually really liked that. I liked that for the ending. Um, I like that, of course, you know, Gemma is able to build these beautiful gauntlets for her that protect her, you know, bones while she's <laughs> figuring out how to use her powers. Um, I love all that stuff. And I thought that, that was really good. Yeah, so, that, so there was some. That's a gleaming moment. That's strong. You know, I love the superhero metaphor. And so yeah. the idea that my emotional and familial trauma 
causes mm-hmm. negative emotions or emotions that are difficult for me to control. And that when I turn those out, it hurts my yeah. friends. And when I turn them in, it also hurts me. That's hot. Yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I wish I like they'd hung it. it on somebody with a personality or had anything <laughs> going on around it that I gave a damn about. But I like that. <laughs> It's it's a tough ride. It's a tough ride. Just, but I don't know. Uh, listen, I didn't want to talk about Sky and how much I don't like her. This these three episodes made me. They made they me, Lonnie. You. It's not my fault. They forced your hand. All right. Well, let's talk about something that's a little more fun. Bobby and Mac. And there. And once again, here we are with the theme of betrayal, except dun dun dun. They work for the real shield. Um what did you think about that? I hate well, it. Well, I mean, not that not that you know what it means. I at hate this it. Point. It doesn't matter. I hate it. I hate it. We've done it. <laughs> what do you hate? We've done yeah. it better than you're going to do it now because they were Hydra. Yeah. Like this mm-hmm. is all just going to wind up being a big misunderstanding. And the mm-hmm. only thing worse than if it just winds up being a big misunderstanding is if it actually has teeth to it. Like I won't. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> and and if they were trying to do some kind of like betrayal from within, monster from within thing. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe that's what they were trying to do. But it's like that. You didn't. You did not stick the landing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah. I do like Hunter abused. I, I love Hunter. <laughs> I love Hunter tied up on the bathroom floor. Yeah. <laughs> Screaming out things. Tell her I take it back when I said don't die. Right. <laughs> Okay, I have renewed love, possibly first ever love for Hunter in two moments. One is I take it back. I do want her to die. Awesome. Awesome. Also, he's there for Hawaiian pizza and does not dignify Mac's bullshit shade over Hawaiian pizza with even a glance. He just is like, that's right. It's Hawaiian pizza and it's amazing and you can suck it. And I I was like, all of a sudden I was like, team Hunter, hashtag. So it's the pizza that got you. Okay, look, also also yelling, I changed my mind, she can die. I changed, take it all back, the don't die. Right. Stuff. Love that. Love that. And then it was like shade about Hawaiian pizza. And I was like, cool, yeah. Mac. Now I know you're the asshole on Twitter. Got it. I'm oh. on Tantra's side. <laughs> All right. Well, I will be very careful not to throw any Hawaiian pizza shade in this. Oh, I'm gonna uh, get added so hard and I don't even care. <laughs> Well, okay, so we have Bobby and Mac, and they are in the middle of this betrayal. We've been seeing this sort of winding up for a while. True, you know, true. what are you and Mac doing? And they got, you know, so it's been on a slow freaking boil on the back burner for quite a while. But I love the moment, though. Like, my favorite thing is when Hunter's like, Yeah, so I'm thinking that maybe there's a, oh God, and Mac's choking it right. with <laughs> Yeah. And Mac is so, I mean, I just, I love Mac. I love everything about Mac. Um, Mac's resignation moment. in that moment of, well, I yeah. guess we're doing this. I guess, I guess you just forced my hand <laughs> because I can't think of a lie fast enough that will explain. <laughs> um, but then, you know, knocks him out. Um, but I also like, there's this moment, though, with Mac and Bobby where he's talking to Bobby about her relationship with Hunter and how they're too close. And then, of course, Bobby does the brush off thing with Hunter and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but he says he loves you and I think he will always love you. But I also think he might be capable of killing you. And then gives her advice that says the only way you guys are going to be able to be together is if, you know, you 
you know, cut, cut him off now before all this stuff happens. It's the only chance. You, like, A, none of that makes sense. If you love B, something, betray the shit out of it, Lonnie. That's exactly. the advice that Mac has. I guess. It's and also, <laughs> if you have a friend and you think that their significant other is legit capable of killing them, that's not a relationship that you want to save. Okay, okay. Like, Let's remember they're spies. No, true, but like capable of killing you. Like, understand, I understand they're spies and they kill people all the time. But, you know, if you have a love relationship, like, you know, that that should be a person that, that you're not going to kill. That, well, like, look, you feel gonna, really yeah, bad about it. You feel really bad about it, but you do what you got to do, man. You know, I want to be on um, Bobby's side here and I am just not. <laughs> it's an uncomfortable. Hashtag Team Hunter is an uncomfortable position for me. And there you are. And yet here I am. See what the show has done to you? It's terrible. What have I become? I'm a monster. I've changed from the inside out. No one can ever love me and no good thing can happen. Oh, wait, I'm fine. (laughs) All right, drama queen, give me your favorite part. I super appreciate you setting up that joke, by the way. All right, so. Thank you. (laughs) Whether you meant to or not, I appreciate you. (laughs) Okay, so two favorite parts. I'm cheating. I have two favorite parts, but honestly, one of them is theoretical. Okay. So just, just picture if once upon yes. a time when this show was really boring and bad, like mm-hmm. right after Sif showed up the first time yeah, yeah, and she just decided to stay oh. and she became like the Wonder Woman for the agents, right? Like, yes. like Wonder Woman 77 when she kind of worked with the military intelligence, you know, mm-hmm. because all father knows they ain't doing shit with her in the Thor movie. So that would be yes. choice. Do something with her. Yeah. And yeah. and it would have been a really cool way for the agents, like, as a whole to just kind of, like, escalate not only the threats, but their ability to deal with them. Because don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm really enjoying, like, all this Hydra stuff and Whitehall and all that's been, mm-hmm. been great. But we just got done saying, even in this extremely lackluster episode, when Sif shows up, it's like, oh, things are significantly more serious now, you know? Yes. <laughs> I like that conceptually. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that episode sent me down that path. The other thing is Cal, but specifically doing proper supervillainy. Yeah. He assembles a team of also-rans that together are very dangerous. He makes a big personal and public spectacle and then just fucking goes for it. (laughs) He is a better supervillain than 99% of the guys we've had in the movies. It is lit. Yes, he's fantastic. And he's actually my favorite part, too. I, it's, Cal is absolutely my favorite part of the whole thing. Like, everything Cal, but specifically Cal at the football field. Yes! Specifically Cal, who is going after this guy. You killed somebody that I've been trying to kill for two decades. <laughs> and my disappointment is going to be your disappointment now, because I'm not going to let this go. And, you know? and, and I am committed to it, because look, I brought this bunch of losers Exactly. And you're in a lot of trouble. I mean. And you can run through them. I'll just get more. Well, hey, I'll get more. Also, have you met Angar? Uh, you're not running through that cat. I just, I'm sorry. I don't, I hated stepping on your favorite part because it's not even, I love Cal, but it's not even Cal for me. And it's not even that moment on the football field. It's the whole yeah. package. Like this, yeah. this is Tuesday afternoon in the 616, you know. Uh. Oh, so high five we love cal man no it's pretty fun but i also like too that like he is this bad guy but he's got that vulnerability he loves his daughter and he's so obsessed over this thing though that he's like completely forgotten that attacking colson is not gonna you know make 
uh, Sky really care a lot more about him. So, um, but he's so in his moment of obsession that he can't let it go. I love all of it. Yeah. And I think that Kyle MacLachlan is killing this role. He's so, so, so good. I just it. want him here I forever. Love I just want him yeah. here forever. Or better yet, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to get sick of him. I want him to go away. Yeah. And then when we least expect it, just be like, hi, I'm back with six more weirdos. Right. <laughs> Man, we call it hide and seek your destruction. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the jazz I'm here for, man. If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join and come find us on Twitter. I'm at Lonnie Dine Rich and Joshua is at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is listen up a-holes. Both Chipperish Media and Pulp Diction Productions are entirely supported by listeners like you who would get Sky Fresh sheets, but the last time they were in her bunk, there were a lot of lady things lying around. Show your support by visiting our Patreon pages or by leaving a great review on Apple Podcast. Links are in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episodes 14 to 16. Until then, he killed a man I've been plotting to kill for two and a half decades. Disappointment! If you enjoyed this conversation, would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. Lonnie is at Lonnie Diane Rich. Wait, and Joshua you can't is say at... Lonnie. You have to say I'm. I can't say. I can't talk about myself in the third person. I mean, Why if you not? want to be that kind of asshole, I, Ronan the Supreme <laughs> Accuser, have arrived to lay judgment upon you. I, Lonnie the Accuser. <gasps> Lonnie Diane Rich. Yeah, I love that. What? Lonnie the Accuser. <laughs> this is all, all going right, in the fine. outtakes. I love it. Oh, shit. I didn't mean to do it. It's just what it said. I know. I I feel like I'm the one who made that mistake, and I regret nothing. Ah, All right, fine.